Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Today we're going to be continuing our series called The Masterclass, which is looking at Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is a great two or three pages in the Bible. It's all red letter. Um, Every word is straight from the mouth of Jesus himself. I love it. We're going to be looking today at what our Lord has to say about anger, but more specifically, we will be looking at the mishandling and misuse of anger, whereby we allow unjustified anger toward a brother or sister to take root in our hearts. We'll also explore the damage and the destruction that can occur to people and the body of Christ when we mishandle anger by expressing our anger through destructive words. So keep that in mind, uh, a separation between anger and the actual manifestation of it with destructive words. There's a big separation point between the two, which brings us into a whole new realm. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, Jesus talking to his disciples. They had questioned him about elements of the law, and uh, they were really focused on the letter of the law and the do's and the don'ts. And the subject of murder came up, and Jesus pulled a, threw him a curveball, and he took it in a completely different direction. And he said to them, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. By the way, this is the New King James Version. I, there may be a little bit different in uh, the ESV and the NIV and some of the ones you guys use, but for today, I really felt like the New King James Version was, was perfect. So he said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I didn't say that, Jesus did. So don't meet me outside afterwards and say you're fire and brimstone. Our Lord said that. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and gift can mean your worship, um, you know, your tithe, anything that's brought before the Lord. But you there remember that your brother has something against you, and I'll add if you have something against your brother. Leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come offer your gift. That's really interesting because we typically think of worship as as like the most important, highest part of our Christian experience. But here Jesus is saying even before that, if if you're at odds with your brother, do everything in your power to make it right. Then come and offer your gift. That's how how critical and, and, and crucial Jesus looks at the unity of the body and peace. What I'd like to do now is I'm going to go through the scripture almost word for word um, with the next three or four slides. And I want to really, I want to dissect and I want to take apart the words that Christ spoke. And I'm going to leave out the part about the judgment part because that's so heavy. I'll just leave that the way it is. You know, I'm not worthy to even say those words, I don't think. But, but you get the idea. 
it's very, it's a very serious thing to Jesus, okay? Jesus said, whoever is angry. So let's just stop right there. This isn't a message to try to get you to be Teflon-coated, Pollyanna, syrupy, sappy, goody Christians. Anger is a very real emotion. It's not sinful in and of itself. Every emotion we get from God can be hijacked and perverted into something that's sin. Um, our appetites are a good thing. But if we take it to the extreme, it's gluttony. Um, joy, happiness is a good thing. But if we take the pursuit of that to such an extreme that we disregard and put God off to the side, that can become, for us, sin. So let me clearly come out of the gate and say, I recognize, absolutely, and I'm going to use the word we for this entire morning, we have anger. Anger is real. Anger is a God-given emotion. Anger is not a sin. Can I make it any more clear? I am not saying that. Jesus is talking about the misuse and mishandling of anger that manifests itself in such a way that it brings destruction, division, and harm to a brother or sister. So it's a very clear and different thing. Don Stewart of Blue Letter Bible Ministry provides what I believe to be an excellent definition of how our own Lord uses anger. We're made in the image of God. We have an emotion called anger. Well, God has anger as well. He says, God is perfect in his character. Sin offends his perfect character. When nations or individuals reject his love and goodness and flaunt his commands, repeatedly scoffing and showing contempt for his goodness, God becomes angry. However, when there is genuine repentance, God's disposition is always to forgive the sinful party. God doesn't hold long, seething, simmering, silent grudges by the coffee machine. God's anger is always directed at an event, at a thing. And behind it, there's always the motivation to restore and bring the offending party back into a relationship with him. Human anger can often get hijacked where our anger is processed in a way that we ultimately, and I say we, I've been there, where knowingly or unknowingly, we want to destroy a person. Maybe not physically, but deep down inside. Cause them some degree of harm for the offense that they've done to us. And God's not like that. You've heard the expression, uh, it's not actually in the Bible, but it's so true. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. That's very appropriate for this. David, the king of Israel, who is known as the man after God's own heart, my personal hero, because he was a military man, I love David, but David killed a giant, but David also committed adultery. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, a woman. And to compound that, he had the commander of the army of Israel send Bathsheba's husband named Uriah to the front line of a fierce battle that was raging, knowing full well in his heart that it meant almost certain death for Uriah. And he did that to cover up the tracks of his sin. So David, the man after God's own heart, committed adultery 
And he was a conspirator to murder, something that would get you life in prison without parole in Pennsylvania. Okay? And he was found out. And what's interesting is, yes, God was angry. God didn't come to David and say, David, I'm a loving and gentle God, so I overlook that. It's just a mistake. God was angry. Our holy, loving, merciful, tender God was angry. And God brought about judgment. But guess what? God never spoke words about David himself that would devalue and demean David's character. David brought about judgment upon himself, and because he was a king of Israel, he sadly brought judgment on the nation of Israel. But nowhere in the Bible do we see that God spoke devaluing words toward David himself. He didn't bring a prophetic word to Nathan and, and say, hey, go start and spread some dissension and rumors about what a creep David is. He didn't do that. He didn't hang out by the coffee machine and do that under the guise of just wanting to keep people in the loop on things. God always values the person. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of these words. Sometimes with Scripture, you can get everything right. You can get the translation right. You can get the, the background and the context right. But you know what's more important than anything else? Even if you get everything wrong, if you get the heart, the heart of what Jesus is after, and the heart of what Jesus is after, as we'll see, when he speaks about anger that we can have toward a brother or sister, is that we don't demean and devalue them in the process. So hang on to that. That's the heart. So we're not to be angry, and we're not to be angry with our brother. So who is our brother? Well, in other places in the Bible, you know, when we hear the term brother or sister, it means those in the house of God, right? But here, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Here he's talking about anyone, anyone, People back then that were in Israel or out of Israel. Kind of like the story of the Good Samaritan. In Jesus' eyes, our brother or sister is anyone we come into contact with. And being as that we are in a very precarious next four weeks, I thought that I would list for some of us what could be somebody that we could easily direct our anger toward because we see them outside of our own camp. And as I begin to read this list, please don't grab the edge of your seats because followed by every description is the polar opposite in the next word. Who's our brother or sister? Rich capitalist investment bankers. Those on public assistance. Far-right conservatives. Far-left liberals. Seniors and children, white, black, Hispanic, European, Pacific Islander, Australian, New Zealand, people of every race, every culture, every ethnicity. They're all our brother. Blue collar and white collar. Free market capitalists and big government socialists. I wonder, have any of us in this last few months relegated somebody simply because of how they view and have a perspective on the world and how our nation should be run. Deep down inside, like Jack Nicholson says in A Few Good Men, 
deep down in places you don't talk about at parties? Have you secretly thought, that person's kind of, I kind of disregard them because they kind of have a wacko way of seeing things. Guess what? If you think that about them, I guarantee you they're thinking that about you. I was at a park the other day, Jacobsburg State Park, and my wife and I were sitting on a bench, and it occurred to me, I saw at least 50 or 60 people over the course of 10 minutes cross a bridge and socially distance, you know, and they walked around the bench. And I thought to myself, I thought, self? I bet you that, according to the law of averages, roughly half of the people that just crossed that bridge view the world through a, I'll just say, left-leaning perspective. But I bet you half of them also view it through a right-leaning perspective and all that that entails and all of the people that represent those views. Hint. But as I looked at them, I thought, wow, they all have something in common. They love their kids. They probably wake up and worry about a mortgage payment like anybody else. When they have a barbecue, they have the neighbors over. They probably watch football. They're probably what we would call decent people. And they were all getting along great. And I thought, what would happen if somebody lobbed a bomb right in the middle of that, that one statement about some political stance? Would those people ultimately just quickly divide into neat, tidy places? Or there's many other areas of life where we can segregate and keep people in a different camp than we are. So going forward from this message, let's keep in mind, God is saying don't be angry and don't mishandle your anger against a brother or sister. And that means everybody. There's no exceptions. He says don't be angry with your brother or sister without cause. Now this is from the New King James Version, right? Many of your versions don't have this, but sometimes you got to flip a coin and go with one. I like this one, and I'm giving the message, so that's the one we're going with. And actually, I think whether you're holding on to anger with cause or without cause, you still have a responsibility to process it and handle it in a way that we'll see in just a couple minutes. But I do want to take just a minute and look at this phrase, without cause. It comes from a Greek word, Ieke, which means without purpose, without just cause, without moderation, and out of proportion to the offense. Have you ever heard the term killing a gnat with a tank? Right? We used to use that. You're trying to kill a fly, you know, with a tank. Use a fly swatter. How many times have we, all of us, sometimes become angry with somebody over the smallest, most trivial of affronts? It's usually not a major thing. It could be something as simply as if somebody thinks their boundary line is one inch further into our lawn than theirs. I mean, there's so many trivial ways that anger can, can creep into our hearts. You know, the Bible always talks about little foxes, doesn't it? In my 39 or 40 years walking with the Lord, um, as I look back over my life, a life like David where I've sinned with anger, I don't remember any major offenses committed against me. I just don't. I'd say every case where I became angry with somebody was over a very small, inconsequential thing. And here's the thing. Let's take a quick look at what some of these types of uh, 
offenses that are without that are uh, would cause anger without cause can be classified under something that cannot be helped sometimes somebody just can't help themselves does anybody here watch everybody loves raymond love that show my wife and i sit there and watch it and i say that's you and she says that's you right because raymond's always all i did was get out of bed and have coffee how did i screw things up so quick like I do, I'm serious. And uh, oftentimes I say, you know, I want the ability like in Willy Wonka where he can just say, stop, reverse, go back. <laughs> Men, would that be great to be able to have a 10 second reset? You know, something comes out of your mouth and you know, you're, stop, reverse, cancel, wash it away. It doesn't work that way, but man, that'd be great. Oftentimes it can be caused by somebody just being forgetful. Somebody might forget to thank you for something. They might forget to drop a card in the mail. They might just be busy with life, and it might be a trivial thing, and something creeps in, and you get a little upset, offended, angry, and then it grows. I'd be willing to bet people have left churches over things like that. Trivial affronts, a resentment. Here's the big one, something we ourselves are capable of. In almost every case, when I became angry, and again, I'm not talking about became angry, I'm saying became angry and then handled it incorrectly in a way that caused harm or destruction to another person's good name by something I may have said, very innocently and small. In almost every case, it was a small thing that I was capable of. God has a sense of humor too. I learned that a long time ago. In case you haven't learned, usually when you judge somebody on something, you usually end up doing it yourself real quick. And usually it's something you thought you had control over. Sometimes it's God's way of saying, hey there, bucko, you, you haven't arrived yet. You know, step down off your high horse. Yeah, you're doing better, but you've got a long way to go. So Jesus says, don't be angry with your brother without cause. Now, Jesus hones in on a more serious manifestation of anger. He's upping the ante. He's not just talking about anger in our hearts. Now he's saying anger in which harmful words are spoken. So now it's come from here, and now it's coming out of here. If it's in here, it can be processed. You can go to God. You can work it out. Once it comes up out of here, that's where the danger zone is. Jesus hones in on a more serious manifestation in which harmful words are spoken. Why is this so serious in Christ's eyes? Now listen close to this. Has anybody ever watched that guy on, uh, I'm just digressing here, that guy on Sunday night, Dr. Stanley? He'll always say, pay attention, you know, focus. You know? Here's the big point. Usually when we say something, birthed out of anger towards somebody else, guess what? It's my experience that probably 99% of the time, it's not spoken to that person, is it? It's spoken to a third party, right? Hey, guess what happened? Yeah, yeah can you believe that? I thought I knew better of that person, right? 10 seconds. You walk away, that person's now infected like a virus. They go have lunch an hour later. They sit down with somebody and say, hey, guess what so-and-so told me? So-and-so told me that so-and-so did this, and they're really upset about it. Let's pray for them. Now, what's happened is it's come out of here. It's spoken to a third party, and normally it's, there's just enough said 
that it brings us even a slight devaluing of the worth of that person that caused the offense. And again, that's the heart of what Jesus is talking about here. We all get angry. None of us are Teflon coated, right? I'm not talking about because somebody cut you off in traffic and you went, eh, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the anger that gets down in here and seeds and comes out so innocently, so quietly, so smallly. And once it gets out, it's like the coronavirus. It spreads. Man, it spreads. And like the coronavirus, maybe 99 out of 100 times, those words, they don't take root. But the one out of 100 times, they could take root and they could kill the reputation and a character of a person over something that was very trivial. Because the more it's repeated, the more it changes. They can destroy and ruin the name and reputation of a person. They, they can stir up dissension, pitting one person's group of friends against another's, right? If I get angry at somebody and it comes out, and instead of going to that brother or sister one-on-one -on -one, biblically, I tell somebody else about it in the most innocent of ways, and they like me, guess what? They're going to naturally kind of take my side, aren't they? And then these people are going to hear about it, and their friends are going to take their side. And I've just created dissension. And dissension is listed in the top four or top seven deadly sins. Somebody that sows discord among brothers. Here's the good news, though. This is a pretty heavy message, but the good news is if Christ gets angry at our anger being mishandled, think how happy he gets when we handle it right and we sow unity and peace. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Wherever there's something in the Bible that at first comes across as being rough and heavy, because our God is so good and loving, rest assured there's positive good result when you obey him. God knows this. It does harm to us as well. There's so many health issues that can happen when you handle anger the wrong way. Now look, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not an uh, ordained biblical counselor. Okay, I didn't go to school. I'm not a licensed social worker. I'm not going to try to talk to you about the, the nature of anger and processing it. I'm honing in on a very basic thing. If you're angry with somebody and you keep it in here and you work it out between you and God and at the appropriate time you approach that person, right? Even if it's with somebody else, but it's that person and you give them a chance to respond. I think Brett Young said it once, probably 99% of the time they're going to go, I had no idea. I'm sorry, man. I'm really sorry. And you're going to go on your way and everything's going to be good. The word raka also means when Jesus said, if you say to your brother raka, raka means empty headed. It means senseless. It's kind of like calling somebody an airhead. That guy's a real airhead, right? Well, guess what? The better reputation and integrity and character you carry among people, the more your words carry. When I first moved here, when I was 21, and extremely rough around the edges, right? If I would have called somebody an airhead, probably wouldn't have carried a lot of weight. Now, I'm not bragging. This is just a fact. I've been at this church for 40 years, 
I've taught many of your kids and grandkids now Sunday school. I've been here. If I walked into a small group meeting and called somebody an airhead, those words could carry destruction like you can't believe, right? Not because of me, but just I've been here a long time. It's almost like you carry more responsibility the more you're aware of it because people can kind of read the tea leaves. If it's somebody that really doesn't even know what Christ is after here, you can kind of write it off. If you know and people know you know, you really have a responsibility to process it right. So we're not to be angry with our brother or sister without cause. We're not to call them raka, which means, you know, discount them as being senseless, kind of like an airhead. Well, Jesus gets a little more serious here. He says, but whoever says you fool. Now, the word fool as used here is far heavier than we would think. You know, I used to think, wait a minute, you mean if I come out of Wawa and somebody cuts me off and I say, you fool, I'm going to be in danger of the fire of hell? (laughs) No. Biblically, the word fool here had a meaning that we're not aware of and not used to. Matthew Henry's commentary says, whereas the word raka that I used before is meant to assign a person the status of being without sense and empty-headed, the word fool, listen to what it means in Jesus' day. One who's not to be honored, somebody that's without worth, unworthy of grace, not to be loved, beyond God's redemption. Now, you might think, and I might think, well, I would never say that about anybody. Well, if Jesus is saying it, he must know that there's potential for somebody to do it. This is Jesus in the red letter. This is him saying this. And what he's saying is we all carry the capability to speak words out of our anger against somebody that can devalue them as a person, can tear them down. That's what he's after. Again, he's not talking about anger. There's such a thing as righteous anger. I'm going to close with a story. When I was in fifth grade, all the guys in here will know this. When you're in grade school, there's always like a pecking order to things. Guys are always looking for where they fit in in the hierarchy of a class. Now, who's the toughest guy? Where do I fit? I knew in every grade exactly where my place was. I knew when I would get picked for football. I knew everything. I knew exactly where I fit. And one time, I was coming out of class in fifth grade, and my younger brother, who I probably just fought with the day before, because brothers always fight, I saw him down the hall, and somebody had jumped on him and was swinging. And I didn't take into account, where's that person in the hierarchy? I didn't try to think, am I capable of jumping into the fray here? I got angry. I came in and rushed to my brother's defense. I flew, I threw a flying tackle on that guy. Literally. And within 20 seconds, all the halls had emptied out. Teachers came out, and they had to pull me off of this person. And it ended up this person was a lot higher than I was in the hierarchy. (laughs) But I was angry. Anger can be a righteous thing. It caused me to rush to my brother's defense. By the way, I went way up in the hierarchy after that. (laughs) Way up. My sixth grade year was great. (laughs) I went from Mike's pretty pretty tough to don't mess with him he's nuts (laughs) I couldn't have done that afterwards I'm like what did I do (laughs) all these smokes but that was anger but guess what you know the funny thing was as every guy here also knows I became best friends with that guy within a couple days 
It was directed at what he did, not at him. Righteous anger, unrighteous anger. We're not talking Teflon coated here. I know real life. You know what I mean. I figured, who was I talking to? When I said I was going to talk about this, I called somebody on our pulpit team. They said, Mike, they all know what Jesus is talking about. And then Grubby, I was talking to him. He says, Mike, they know what Jesus is talking about. So you know, you know where I'm coming from. Today we're going to be having communion. Jesus finishes this, and he says, go and be reconciled, then come offer your gift. Whether we're partaking of communion or offering up our worship in the house of God, our Lord always and everywhere commands us to first examine our hearts and make every effort to reconcile with those we have offended or those who have offended us. I have to say this, too, though. I am so aware that there could be people right now, and in fact, I'm almost certain there's people thinking, I'm going to turn off the TV. This guy has no idea. He has no idea what happened to me. Look, I know. I can't relate. I don't know what offenses have been committed against you. I don't. Anger is okay. It's a God-given emotion. I'm not saying don't be angry or deny it. What I'm saying is that Jesus, think about it this way. Flip it. Jesus loves you so much that he jealously guards you and doesn't want anybody to attack you with those kind of words. So let's do a 180 here and stop with you know, how I talk about somebody else. You know how much God loves you that he would come out and say these words to warn other people to say basically, I don't want anybody harming your value as a person. So this is a pretty good deal. This is a two-edged sword. We have a jealous God that loves us very, very much, right? So we're under that protection. And we're going to be having communion. And at communion, what communion is, if you don't know right now and you're watching online, it's a celebration and an observance of what Jesus Christ did for us when he died on the cross. Our Heavenly Father God is angry. The Bible says he's angry every day at sin, right? But his son Jesus died on a cross, and the Bible says he shed his blood, and God poured out all of his anger on Jesus, not on us. And Jesus took all that anger. And you can be reunited and come into a relationship with your Heavenly Father because all of the anger that was validly and righteously directed at you, God directed at Jesus. But here's the deal. You, you, you have to say yes to it. You have to humble yourself. you got to tell God that you had a right to be angry at me, and I'm glad you're not. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want the anger to be taken away, and I want to be on the receiving end of your mercy and grace. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give us a chance, if you're online at home right now, watching, or if you're here, um, know this with certainty. Um, on the one hand, uh, until you come under God's forgiveness, uh, God's angry at you. He's angry. But everything in him wants to move that anger away from you, and he can do it in a heartbeat. He's done it. It's been poured out on his holy son, Jesus Christ. 
And I'm going to pray a prayer right now where you can receive his son Jesus Christ into your heart. And your sins that cause God's anger can be washed away. And you can come under his jealous protection and his jealous love. So if you would like to do that today, I'd like you to bow your heads right now. And if you've already done that, as we always do, it doesn't hurt to pray this again to remind ourselves of what we did maybe many years ago. I'm going to pray right now. Don't pray if you don't want to do this. I'm real big on that. But if there's something in your heart giving a pull, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. And so pray this. Heavenly Father, you have a right to be angry with me. I've offended you with my sin. But I receive your mercy and I receive your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to take away my sin and replace anger with mercy. Please write my name in your book of life. Please save me. Jesus' name. Amen. There's a great equalizer among all of us. And remember this the next time you're tempted to lambast somebody simply maybe because, and I'm saying this to me too, because of the way they see the world, right? We all are guilty of the greatest sin. We've all killed Jesus Christ by our sin. Let us all come down off our lofty perch from whence we pass judgment on people because of the way they see the world, especially over these next four weeks. Let's clean up Facebook Let's just stop it already. Everybody, all of us, none of us are without sin. And let's replace it with words of unity and peace. And the practical application I'm going to leave you with is this. Take the person that has offended you most recently, or if it's been a while, think of somebody and put them at the top of your prayer list for the entire next week. Top of your prayer list. Value them and pray for them. Amazing things will happen in your heart. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.